The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 13th of December here in London. This is the Bluebeg Daybreak Hewitt podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Tom McKenzie. Coming up today, UK GDP shrinks by more than expected as the country's economic headwinds grow. COP28 ends with an agreement to transition away from all fossil fuels for the first time. Plus, Netflix and Spill, the video platform, reveals full details of who watched what for the first time. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Here in the UK, the economy shrinking more than expected in October as elevated borrowing costs took their toll. GDP fell by 0.3% month on month, following a gain of 0.2% in September. Bloomberg's senior UK economist Dan Hansen says the figures are the latest indication that the economy is increasingly feeling the effects of 14 consecutive interest rate hikes. Everything is moving in the right direction if you're thinking about the inflation picture and bringing inflation down. But I think the the bad news story here is that it is going to come potentially at a cost. And that's what the data this morning tells us. Dan Hansen and the team at Bloomberg Economics written the economy is already in a recession that will last through the middle of next year. Meanwhile, on the politics, Rishi Sunak has survived a vote on his Rwanda deportation bill, a test of his authority. He's survived at least for now. The policy to send asylum seekers to the African country passed by a majority of 43, with 37 Tories abstaining. The Conservative MP Ian Duncan-Smith backs the deal, but now wants changes. There are debates around here about certain clauses where... There may be some open possibilities for people to make vexatious, continuous vexation claims. So, you know, lots will be looking at whether it's feasible to kind of tighten that bit up. Ian Duncan Smith is part of a faction on the right of the party who could veto the legislation next year. But any changes would aggravate Conservative moderates, uh, meaning more internecine strife is likely for Sunak over his flagship policy. Now, the COP28 summit has ended in a deal to transition away from all fossil fuels for the first time. The agreement calls for countries to quickly shift energy systems away from fossil fuels in a just and orderly fashion. While the outcome falls short of the phase-out most countries wanted, it does break new ground. No previous COP text has mentioned moving away from oil and gas. Germany's ruling coalition has sealed an agreement on a revised 2024 financial plan after the latest round of talks that stretched into the night. Olaf Scholz's three-party alliance has been grappling for weeks with the turmoil that was triggered by last month's ruling by the country's top court, limiting the use of off-budget funds. Bloomberg's Germany correspondent Oliver Crook says that the government may be running out of options to plug their budget hole. 
We're trying to plug 17 billion euros, which is a substantial sum of money, and there are only so many ways you can do that in a government budget, right? You can cut spending, you can cut subsidies. This is something that the Greens and Schultz would be sort of against, and Schultz even over the weekend saying that there will be no dismantling of the German welfare state. Oliver Crook there reporting from Berlin. Now, the shock judgment by Germany's constitutional court upended the decades-old practice of using special pots of money. Uh, uh, and it also called into question tens of billions of euros in debt-financed spending. Argentina, meanwhile, has devalued the peso by 54% and announced massive public spending cuts. The moves are part of new President Javier Millet's shock therapy programme for the country's economy, which is battling an inflation rate north of 140%. Economy Minister Luis Caputo made the announcement in a televised address. The official exchange rate is going to go to 800 pesos so that the productive sectors have the right incentives to increase their production. The dramatic first steps by Economy Minister Luis Caputo follows a somber inauguration speech on Sunday when President Mille warned that Argentinians will have to endure months of pain while he works to pull the country out of its economic crisis. Elon Musk's X, the social network formerly known as Twitter, is expected to miss its own ad revenue goals. According to people familiar with the matter, the platform is on track to earn roughly $2.5 billion from advertising in 2023, a big drop from sales of more than a billion dollars per quarter in 2022. Bloomberg social media reporter Kurt Wagner says that Musk's conduct is a key issue for past advertisers. I think the issue here continues to be that, uh, you know, Musk seems to not really be aware that his own behavior is, is having this dramatic impact. Or if he is, he just simply doesn't care. But I think that's really the issue more than anything is that he's not really giving advertisers a good enough reason to, to come back. They're trying to move away from this kind of legacy brand business that, that Twitter used to have, right? And, and that's partly because I think it's inconsistent and it's, and it's uh, moving because of Elon's behavior, right? So the more they move away from the Disney's of the world or the Coca-Cola's from the world and they get to either small and medium-sized businesses, uh, subscription revenue, data licensing, that stuff's just not going to be as impacted by the CEO's behavior. Kurt Wagner there. Well, he added that X is looking for earning opportunities less likely to be influenced by the actions of its owner. The news also comes as another Musk-led venture, SpaceX, announces that it will sell insider shares at $97 each in a tender offer. That's a price increase which boosts the value of the space and satellite company closer to $180 billion, indicating strong investor demand. Now, Netflix is telling the world how many people watch its shows for the first time. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet has the story. The company has released global mid-year viewer data for every title on its service. The first of what Netflix says will be regular reports. The political thriller The Night Agent was the most watched title globally in the first half of 2023, generating 812.1 million hours of viewing. That was followed by season two of the family drama. Ginny and Georgia, and the debut of the glorious South Korean series, Ginny and Georgia delivered the biggest audience if you consider all seasons of a show. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio.
Okay, let's get back to the UK and the economy, specifically the data that came out earlier this morning showing a contraction of 0.3%, so a bigger slowdown than many had expected. The details then from our senior UK economist, Dan Hansen. These, of course, were the data points that came out for the month of October. Dan, what's your reading of this data? What does it tell us about where we are with this economy? So I think when it dropped this morning, I was I was obviously surprised by the weakness. We expected a 0.1% drop, which is what the consensus was as well. Um, and it was it sort of beat all economists' expectations in terms of the how how negative it was. I mean, I think the thing that struck me though when I when I opened the release was how broad based the weakness was. Um, the few sectors that did grow notably health is one one sector that you can't really rely on to sort of sustain a recovery and sustain growth um, it's a lot to do with what's going on with strikes it's a lot a lot to do with what's going on getting into the weeds here a little bit what's going on with the tests and trace and vaccine programs but I think the broad picture the broad takeaway is that services manufacturing and construction all fell um, and you've got you've got weakness across the board. Okay, um, how significant is that when we think about recession risks for the UK, whether we're in a recession or not? So look, I mean, I think we've been having this conversation for a while, haven't we? And mm. I, I've said I've said on the nu- numerous occasions that I feel that the line between stagnation and contraction is a fine one. It's going to remain a fine one probably until the second half of next year, when I think there are reasons to think the economy will pick up a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, I think, <clears throat> at least for our call, um, and Tom and I spoke about this earlier, but at least for for our call of having some modest contractions in GDP over the next few quarters, this obviously is completely consistent with that. I mean, and one thing I just mentioned as well is that the th- third quarter was, it was flat, but it, if you looked at the details of that, domestic demand fell considerably. We were only saved by this big fall off in imports, saved from a contraction. So I think, like Tom's point, that we've been stagnating for a while, that's absolutely right. I think there is definitely a risk, though, around the turn of the year that we get a very mild, just to emphasise, mild um, fall in GDP. Okay. The Bank of England, of course, meeting with its next decision on Thursday. Most people don't expect any change. Do you think, though, as you look into 2024, it changes your estimates as to when the BOE goes with cuts and just how deep those cuts could be? Yeah. I mean, I mean, just on Thursday, on that's, that's tomorrow, isn't it? Yes, yeah, tomorrow. So we've got, you know, you're absolutely right. There's no, no chance of them moving. I think where, what could move the dial is the data today could move the vote potentially to make it a more dovish split. Um, it's quite possible Megan Green joins those who don't want to hike rates anymore and you only have two going for another hike. Um, but to go to your question, Tom, I think our call is for a first cut in August. And now that balances two things. One is the weak economy, but of course it, the other side of all of this is sticky inflation, that we and we've still got that here in the UK. I don't think that story's gone away. Um, I do think there is a risk, though, that the Bank of England is more sensitive to downside news on the economy, and it brings the first rate cut forward, and it also cuts more aggressively. Now, how much further forward could it be brought? I don't think it could be brought forward much more further than May, and I think there are two reasons for that. One is there's going to be quite a bit of, hopefully, good news on CPI in the April and May reports that will give them a give them basically a green flag because inflation will probably drop to three, maybe two and a half if with a fair wind. Um, and also they'll want to see the March budget and the extent to which Jeremy Hunt loosens the fiscal purse strings. In terms of sequencing and impact, 
Today's Fed decision day, how much of an effect does that have on the UK, given what is priced in for rate cuts out of America? Yeah, I mean, there's always the risk. And this, I mean, this was the case in 2021, right, where you had everyone thought the Fed would have to go first. And the bank surprised everyone, the Bank of England surprised everyone by, first of all, not hiking in November 2021 and then hiking in December. And so they went well before the Fed. Um, so I don't think there is a reason to think that just because, say, the Fed cuts for the first time in March, which is what our US team thinks, that that puts a lot of pressure on the Bank of England to bring things forward. But they'll have a watchful eye on it. Of course mm. they will. Mm. But I think the justification for all of this is is the inflation picture. The US is more advanced in the disinflation process. We know that. Um, and we're not going to get a, a 3% handle on inflation probably until the spring, maybe summer. So, you know, and that's really what the Fed's now now got in its hand. It's had a few of those prints. So it's it's just a slightly more advanced story in the US, and that gives them a little bit of space to go to go earlier. OK. Senior UK economist Dan Hansen with the analysis of that growth data for the UK, what it tells us about the trajectory of this economy looking into 2024 and indeed the decisions of the Bank of England. Thank you, Dan. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Let's turn our attention to COP28, the climate summit, shall we? They have agreed a deal to transition away from fossil fuels this morning. It is the first time that this sort of language has actually been included in nearly three decades of climate talks. And Bloomberg senior climate reporter Akshat Ratti has been at the meeting and joins us now. Good to have you on the programme, Akshat. What exactly has been agreed then? Well, as you said, uh, there are... A number of things that have been agreed, but the thing that has made the headlines, rightly so, is that it's the first time transitioning away from fossil fuels has been mentioned at a COP meeting and that's been agreed on by 200 countries. Now, the science has been clear that it's fossil fuel burning that is the cause behind climate change. But countries have resisted to come to a consensus because, of course, there are many fossil fuel producers whose economies would be hurt. Uh, if they move away from fossil fuels. And so to come to Dubai, the sort of heart of the Middle East, where oil and gas production counts for majority of uh, government income, it is a stunning development to have a language agreed by all countries, including Middle Eastern countries, that the world is ready to transition away from fossil fuels and to do so in this critical decade. 
Actually, talk to us about how significant or robust this commitment actually is. Well, United Nations Climate Summit uh, put out statements that are quite high level. The only way they become really actionable are when governments take those high-level comments and make them policy at home. We saw that after the Paris Agreement was signed in 2015, it took a couple of years before net zero by 2050 became a rallying cry, getting all the global economies, at least the major ones, to sign up to that target and getting companies, boardrooms, interested in understanding how governments now are going to set the target and how they should also be setting a target for net zero by 2050. So what this uh, language around transitioning from fossil fuels will do, as Jennifer Morgan, the German climate envoy, told us, is that it gives a signal to the market that investment in renewables is what is going to be profitable in the long term and that investment in fossil fuels, at least new ones, could lead to stranded assets. Mm. Um, that is pretty uh, decisive, isn't it? And pretty, pretty fascinating. And yet, of course, the difficulties of getting follow through. Have the people participating in COP28 sort of abandoned the idea of reaching a kind of limited target of, of 1.5% degree warming, a limit to, to global warming? Uh, uh, are they sort of accepting of the fact that that looks pretty difficult to reach now? Well, as the president of COP, uh, Sultan Al-Jabbar, who's also the chief executive officer of uh, Abu Dhabi National Oil Company, said the North Star for this COP was to keep 1.5 C alive. Now, does it do it? Maybe, because it's definitely not off the table. Uh, there are certainly loopholes in the text. Uh, there is a role for gas that has been accepted in the text, that gas may be used for longer. Uh, when it says transi- transitioning away from fossil fuels, it does so only for the energy system, which is about three quarters of the emissions. So oil and gas could be used uh, in fertilizers and plastics. Uh, so there is still... Uh, some concern, uh, and rightly so, from uh, many of the scientists and green groups. Uh, But it is also to be recognized that this is historic progress when it comes to COP meetings. Usually, you don't get even a mention of the word fossil fuels. Uh, And now there's a clear signal that the world is ready Mm. to end the fossil fuel era. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just a show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.